Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And several years ago, we watched Love Actually, and now we're re-releasing it because it's our. it was the very first episode we ever did. We recorded it with no microphones over a laptop on Carrie's bed in a house she no longer lives in. Um, Although... We- I'm looking at your room now over Zoom. The, your roofs are similar. Anyway, it's unimportant. Um, so sorry about the sound quality, but we thought it would be fun to go back and hear how we started um, with a Christmas movie for Christmas time. So this is our little Christmas gift to you all. Thank yeah. you so much. We've we've been doing this for five years. This is our fifth year. It's our five five year anniversary, right? 18, 19, Yeah, that's math. That's why. Um, girl math. <laughs> um, so anyway, enjoy. Enjoy. Merry Bye. Christmas. I'm Carrie Gilbert. And I'm Allison Gilbert. And this is Hold Up, the podcast where we discuss our favorite movies and decide whether or not they hold up. So today we are discussing love actually in the spirit of Christmas and the holiday season. Um, so we have rewatched love actually for me for the first time in a while. How about you? For the first time in nine months. <laughs> no, probably last Christmas. <laughs> okay. Um, so our goal is to discuss not only does it hold up in terms of like, is it a, still a good movie? Is it still an entertaining movie? Um, but does it hold up in a 2018 intersectional feminist world? So to start, let's um, talk a little bit about the intersectionality of this movie. Well, we both made predictions at the beginning of watching this movie. That's right. We did. Okay. So your what was your prediction at the beginning? I predicted that it would hold up as a, a piece of art, but it would not hold up as a piece of intersectional feminist work. Right. And I generally agree. And I think we were right. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about some of the issues, problems, or lack thereof with this movie. So let's start with the opening scene. For those of you who have not watched the movie in the last 24 hours, um, the movie opens with a scene in the airport with a Hugh Grant voiceover. Hugh Grant holds up. Sure. (laughs) Obviously. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So the opening scene is an airport and Hugh Grant's talking about how love actually is all around us. And um, he talks about how on nine 11, the messages home were not messages of hate, but messages of love. My initial reaction was that in 2018, this scene is especially tone deaf and cloying. Well, it's a very, the movie was made in 2003. I thought it was, for most of the movie, I thought it was 2004. I looked it up as 2003. It's a very, like, right after 9-11. It's like, remember in the few months after 9-11 when we were all like, we are one. We are America. We love Bush. And then, like, that, we just, like, all became one for a minute. Yeah, but that's, two, I mean, two, by 2003, like, we'd invaded Iraq. There were Sure, but this movie was like, written, I mean, this movie wasn't written in 2003. It came out in 2003. So he, Richard I, Curtis we're was also approaching this as Americans as opposed to like Richard Curtis is a Brit. Sure. It was just, it just like very much had the feeling of like, we are fighting this together when in reality, the world's a nightmare and this sort of like, we should love everyone. Isn't it? Yeah. I think that that was like the piece that struck me is I think that in 
recently there's been a lot of discussion around maybe not discussion there's been this there there is a tendency by some to say like we need to rise above the hate by showing each other kindness and love and i think that a lot of people particularly particularly those in marginalized communities have said i you don't I, have to rise above people being hateful. To right. Like, like I don't like need Nazis to like, and racists I don't need to like, right. I'm not going to show love to the love. people that are literally breaking down my identity. Sure. Um, and I think that, so that, that is the piece that rings like really false to me in this opening scene. Understanding of course, that this is 15 years ago. It's also like a nice, like it's like a nice Christmas thought. Like if you take this movie as like a Christmas movie, I've watched a lot of, Hallmark movies this week and they're all garbage but they all have the same like it's Christmas we should love it's like that's a nice Christmas thought even if it doesn't even if it's not real yeah and so like as a as a flowery Christmas movie sure it works fine but it's it's not I don't think this is a movie that I am going to argue makes like a giant political statement yeah. Even though I think it, it's trying to make a larger political statement than I think it maybe should. Like, just be a sweet, fluffy, romantic comedy. Yeah. Like, don't. Yeah. I, I mean, you do sort of notice, like, there's a, there's talk of politics because there's a, one of the main storylines is, like, about the prime minister. And um, he, there's this whole thing with, like, the United States and him standing up to the United States. And prime so, like, minister played by a snack of Hugh Grant. And so, like, we talk about politics, but we never, like, actually talk about politics. Like, we don't have any idea, like, what the prime minister's political leanings are no. at all. It's even hard to determine. Like, they're they're clearly making very, like, Ameri- like anti-American statements, which I enjoy. But it's, like, Billy Bob Thornton as the president is, like, Clinton-y. But he's also, it's, like, clearly a comment on Bush, but he's very Clinton-y. So, like, even he doesn't have political... right. He's yeah. none of them are like liberal or conservative. They're all just like it's all just like good and evil and America is bad and Britain is good. Um which I think was like a ge- like generally a British sentiment at, at at in 2003. Sure. I mean, I think they felt very much like Blair had like sort of betrayed them by taking the, I mean, I guess I shouldn't speak for the Brits 15 years ago, but I don't think they were loving us both at that point. Okay, so let's talk about, um, I think one thing that we both noticed and talked about during the movie was... Um, we pretended like we weren't going to talk about our thoughts during the movie, and then we did anyway. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> so in the movie, there are lots of people of color, none of whom are even attempted to be no, like no. fully developed character. I believe, and I don't... I mean, in 2003, when this movie came out, I was 14. But I think this movie in 2003 was probably lauded for its... Lauded? 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 Who cares? It's probably lauded for its diversity because there are a good amount of actors of color and characters of color. And so it was like a 2004 diverse movie and truly none of them. There's like no point. If you took all of them away, the movie would still be the same. They are all there to serve... The white they're all characters, they're all there to, every character in every relationship in this movie is heterosexual. Even the relationships that happen between like two men, like the father and the son and the two best friends, they're all based around heterosexual, like the rock star wants to fuck girls and his, then it turns out like his best friend has been his best friend. And even the father son relationship is still like, let's help my kid get laid. And 
so they're all heterosexual. All of the main characters are white. And then like there are the these black closest... characters around them that serve them. Yeah, like the most There are no Indian people in London. <laughs> the most prominent, like, character or person of color is Chiwetel. Say his name. Chiwetel Ejiofor. And even he, I think, has, like, what, two lines? Because also his purpose is to be Kira Knightley's husband. Well, his Slash best Andrew friend. Lincoln's best friend. I don't know who Andrew Lincoln is because I don't watch that show. But he's the guy from... Walking Dead. Dead. I don't watch The Walking Dead because I'm afraid of zombies. He's Sheriff Grimes. I don't believe you. Anyway, his point is to be like the zombie's best friend. Okay, he's not a zombie. I'm not getting into the walk. It's too late. The time is in the same way that I'm never going to watch Breaking Bad. I'm never going to watch The Walking Dead. It's the it's too late for me. Andrew Lincoln in Love Actually, like you really see him like pre-apocalypse. He's like really clean cut. I will give you five hundred dollars if you can tell me that actor's name right now. Andrew Lincoln. No, that's the character's name. No, his real name is Andrew Lincoln. You and I don't have his character's name is Rick Grimes. Anyway, R.I.P. Sorry, spoiler. I um, am sure I'm also saying his name wrong when I'm at least trying. Chiwetel Ejiofor, the guy from 12 Years a Slave who plays Keira Knightley's husband. His purpose is to be like, I'm Keira Knightley's husband and my best friend's going to confess his love. Like, he, even he doesn't have a purpose. No, no. There are no characters. There are no people of color with any purpose beyond being extras or plot devices. There's, and I also feel like they knew this because so many extras are people of color. And I feel like they're like, just throw them in there so they don't call us yeah. racist. Yeah, like literally every extra with a line is a person of color, but and there's still like, an extra with a line. In the, I've always noticed this because I've watched this movie a lot. In the Heathrow scenes, there's a, a Muslim mother like hugging her daughter and it's very sweet. But it also seems like it was like, well, this is a post 9-11 movie. We have to show we're not Islamophobes. <laughs> show a Muslim mother. And it's like, that's, it just feels like they tried to glue together a world of not yeah racistness rather than like. It's very like tokenism Like you could have flipped the zombie and Chiwetel Ejiofor's parts and had the same story. And then he would have had, he still would have been like a creepy stalker, but he would have had like more of a character. You could like, I don't know. There's just, it's very easy to make movies diverse and like plugging in characters because you realize you aren't diverse is no longer okay although again like i feel like in 2003 yes that was probably more than what most people were doing which is not an excuse for it i'm just saying that like i'm sure they felt very proud of themselves for doing the bare minimum (laughs) yeah we're judging this in a 2018 world so the other thing that you hit on is that it's a very like heteronormative movie there's literally there are no relationships that are not romantically not there are no gay characters even like there there's no like gay love relationship but there's also no gay characters which is honestly disappointing because okay so this is a movie written by richard curtis who also wrote four weddings and a funeral which has perhaps one of like the best written gay relationships before this movie like four long, years from the 90s so like before this movie long before this movie yeah and written in a way that is it like they are not token characters. They are not stereotypically gay characters. Their relationship is not like written for the sake of like diversity. It is truly just like a relationship between two people in love who happen to both be men. Right. And it's so well done. And 
so watching Love Actually, knowing that Richard Curtis is capable of writing that kind of relationship um, is kind of really disappointing. Well, it's also weird that there's not even, like, let alone, like, it would be nice if there was, like, a story about a gay couple or a lesbian couple. That would be nice. But there's not even, like, a sassy gay best friend. And not that that would be better because we don't want to stereotype. But there's, like, truly, if you watch this movie and you wanted to believe that homosexuality didn't exist, you could because it doesn't exist in this movie. No, I mean, there's not, there's, like, no mention of it. Every character of note is literally, like, a white straight person. Yes. Like, I'm going to choose to believe for my own health that the there's, like, the story about the gross guy who goes to America to get laid. Um, and he is, he has the best friend. Like, maybe that guy's gay, but I'm, I'm only choosing to believe that because I want to. There's no evidence of that in the movie. Also, he's more interesting than the dude who's like, I'm going to go to America with a bunch of condoms and have sex. Yeah. That entire, it's an entire storyline based around making fun of America, which I appreciate. And I don't think they do. I think they make fun of America well. I think they real, really nail us. But it's not. And we get to see, like, a, a pre- Betty Draper, January Jones. Guys, January Jones is our, one of our greatest. This movie features some of our greatest living actresses. Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, January Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so wildly sort of, different like, parts. Sort of switching gears. I mean, I do think that this is a movie with some really, like, fantastic Emma Thompson, feminist hero. Well, but even aside from, like, like, you know, their feminism or whatever. Like, these, there are some really fantastic performances in this movie um so okay so like let's kind of switch gears what do you think in terms of is this movie does this hold up as a piece of entertainment i do think it holds up as a piece acknowledging all of its many 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 flaws it it is a satisfying christmas romantic comedy it is better than anything you'd see on hallmark it is the acting is phenomenal. <laughs> Looking at, my God, I wish you could see her face. I said it was better than anything you could see on Hallmark. You could see like her Lacey Chabert defense going up. Listen, I the sweetest Christmas holds up. I don't think that you're giving uh, Candace Cameron Burr and Lacey Chabert their due. That's all I'm saying. Where I was watching a uh, We're Sisters which you know cuz if you're listening to this you're our mother but i was watching <laughs> i was watching the sweetest christmas on the hallmark channel starring lacey chabert with our mother the other day and she was like where do i know that girl from and i was like mean girls and she was like that's not it and i was like that's definitely it it's not the wild thornberries no it's christian mingle she definitely watched the christian mingle hallmark you know lacey she's gretchen wieners and mom was like no i don't think so she knows her from the christian mingle i'm (laughs) telling you anyway Um, no i think this movie has a lot of it it has some of our greatest actors of the last our greatest white actors of the last decade is emma thompson and laura linney and alan rickman may he rest in peace and liam neeson who's a treat and whose hair looks like he smells good um like all the acting is very good i think um alan rickman r.i.p didn't i say that you did. I'm just saying, like, that was a rough one to watch. Yeah, we for, we I always forget he dies, and then I watch this. Um, when he's dead. Um, not in this movie. He survives the movie in life, and, spoiler alert, in Harry Potter, Snake does kill him. Um, wow. A statute of limitations. Okay. A snake kills him on Voldemort's orders, but only after he has sacrificed it all. 
Ooh, Bill Nye. You did not mention Bill Nye, who Bill I think Nye is, is like, a great actor. Like truly the highlight of any movie he's and in. And like it's also f- pretty funny. Like it's a pretty funny movie. Like Bill Nye's character is funny. That stupid song. I also thought like when we were talking about to go back to diversity for a second. Like not only are all the second like tertiary characters like black people and none of the main characters are black people they have a radio segment where like someone's interviewing bill nye and the radio guy interviewing bill nye is white but the guy who introduces the radio guy is it's like they put a black person as far as possible away from the main storyline i mean it was like this black guy is this black radio guy is going to introduce the white radio guy is going to is going to interview bill nye it was like you could not have tried harder to not represent the world anyway Yes, the acting is very good. I think most of the storylines hold up. Again, like the guy going to America to fuck girls is a joke that they do for too many scenes. It's like a joke. There's no story there. It's just a joke and they do it for too many scenes. Same with the couple, um, the Martin Freeman, like stand-in couple. Where they're naked. Like, I yeah. feel like that gets carried too far. Like, I like than that story. To. I think there's, like, a sweet juxtaposition of, like, these, and this is, I'm not the only person to have talked about this, but, like, this, like, couple who meets doing, like, graphic stand-in sex scenes are actually very sweet and shy. It's, like, a nice juxtaposition, but, again, they have, like, it's all there to have the joke of his head between her legs. Right. The actors in Love Actually, either they were very famous and still are very famous. You have your Colin Firth and your Hugh Grants. And your Laura Linney's and your, um, like, these famous, lauded actors. And then you have these actors you've never heard of. And of the actors you had never heard of, the only ones to have made anything of themselves are Martin Freeman, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and the zombie. And Andrew Lincoln. Like, the zombie has never been to the Oscars in the way that the other two have. Okay, for the last time, he is not a zombie. He's, well, unless he is, I'm not caught up. But I'm not going to watch The Walking Dead. I'm not going to begin to Regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think there are some... We we did talk about the Emma Thompson performance in particular being perfect. really well done. She's perfect. Like, her subtlety, her humanity, that scene where she, like, excuses herself and goes into the bedroom, I just think is so, like, wonderfully well, and you, there's relatable like- and heartbreaking and... There's such, like, a, and who knows if this was directed or if she chose to do this, but, like, there's a way that she, like, you pointed out that she, like, fixes the bed before she goes back out, and she, like, has to compose herself. It's And I do think it is a... Is and it, we've all done that moment where, like, we, like, like, fix something else as a way to, like, compose ourselves. Well, I also think it's a mark on feminism and motherhood and the way we want to see women is that like she has to go be a mother like she has to go get her kids to a christmas concert and that is something she has to do in that moment and so she cannot be distraught that her husband may have cheated on her she she has to perform her womanly duties Mm -hmm. and she does it and it's heartbreaking because you know i mean i'm not a wife or a mother but you know the feeling of like i have to go be a person now i don't have the if i go out there crying i look hysterical or i look weak or i look whatever because i'm a woman well and and i I have to be, like, somebody else's rock right now. Right, and, like, that performance in that moment is powerful and beautiful and and feminist. Yeah. And I, and there are a lot of, maybe not a lot, there are moments in this movie where women are powerful. Laura Linney's character is the same. She doesn't get to have it all. She doesn't get to have what she wants because she's committed to 
this man who was her brother and helping him. She doesn't get to have her own love story mm-hmm. or her, even her own career. It's not really stated, but you sort of get the impression that her career is sort of like middle management. Um, you don't, she doesn't get to have it all. She has to make choices and that's sad. And that's a choice the movie is making is to show that this woman doesn't get to live in the world the way she wants to, in a way that like Alan Rickman who is the boss and then gets to be married and have an affair does. I think those are conscious choices that the movie is saying about the difference between men and women. Um, and so I don't, you know, this holds up in some respect. It just doesn't, it just is a very sort of uh, like 2003 view. It's 2003. It's sort of like, like base feminist. Like there's no exploration of. Yeah of womanhood beyond white womanhood. There's no explanation of womanhood beyond straight or cis woman. It's just, but it's there. Yeah. Like I believe that it was thought about. It just seems very basic. And this has not even touched on fat phobia of this movie. We, okay. We have not touched on the fat phobia. We will get there because real quick, before we get there, there one thing that we, that you pointed out um, is that this one thing that in addition to sort of like exploring like white cis feminism is that it does do a good job of um, writing intergender platonic relationships. Heterosexual intergender relationships. Yeah. I think there's a lot of straight man game or straight woman gay man relationships in um media not in this movie there's no gay people in this movie but in the you can find you know there's your will and graces and your plenty of movies and tv shows that address like gay man straight woman relationships not necessarily in a way that i think is accurate but they do address them very rarely are mixed gendered heterosexual friendships represented in in a way that isn't like one of them's in love with the other one Mm -hmm. and i have a, a number to two to three like very important friends in my life that are heterosexual men and I and them and I have never had any sort of like is one of us in love with the other like it's just never existed and so it's fun to see like a Liam Neeson Emma Thompson friendship or like what's the other uh, one Alan Rickman and Laura Lenny Alan Rickman and Laura Lenny yeah um and and the ways that they interact with each other is real and and rare in particularly in rom-coms I feel like yeah you don't ever really and I can't thing, think of anything where that exists except in like shows like New Girl or Friends where like they don't actually exist. It's just that like there's a relationship and then they also have their other friends. Right. It's not like a like rarely do you see like Chandler and Rachel have an important friendship. Except the cheesecake episode. But yeah, I do think that that is a good point. The other thing that I think that this movie does well to some extent is that the workplace relationships are appropriate and real and make sense with the exception, obviously of like Alan Rickman and his secretary who says things that like no woman I know would ever say. But I do think like the Hugh Grant, um, Natalie relationship. Cause she's never done anything since this that we can know. The Um, the one they call fat. Who is my goalie? But Hugh Grant, like that relationship, like you never, the, the movie does not force you to ship a relationship in which, he is sexually harassing her. No, he's clearly attracted to her, but a completely but appropriate like until setting appropriate boundaries. So I, I can appreciate that particularly in like hashtag me too era. Yes. But 
It does um, feel like it's a story. Okay, so and there were some things said where it was like it's very easy to go into a sexual harassy way, but we it's charming because it's Hugh Grant, and I think that they avoided that. Yeah, for the most part. I would say that they did. I don't think he ever like says anything to her that is well, except like when he fires her because he can't be yeah at one point he's like i'm gonna i want to fuck her so i can't be around her so put her in a different it's sort of like well you're affecting her career because you are attracted to her yeah okay so maybe i take it back um okay so let's talk about the fact that we keep referring to this woman who is easily like i don't know a size six as um, she has like a sizable butt but one of the things i've noticed does she she barely does one of the things i've noticed working in Hollywood is that like sizable butts on screen are not actually like those women are just very thin and then comparatively like they have nice asses she's probably a size six she maybe weighs 120 to 30 pounds she's my goal weight and body type I strive to be a Natalie and every person is like she's fat she has big thighs right like like, oh, there's a sizable ass on her. Like, in what world? I was watching this movie as an adult with context. I'm like, oh, I have body image issues because I looked at this woman and everyone called her fat. And then I got fatter than that. And I was like, well, I'm not. I'm even fatter than the woman they all call fat. When in reality, she's like an ideal body type. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as an ideal body type. Let's not say No, that. but, but like, like, by sexist standards, by what the way the world would say, she's she's got she's like pop culture wise what people want but is she, i mean but like what does that even mean nothing there is no ideal body type be like, fat be skinny be whatever you want but no, there's no world where you would look at that woman and call her fat no i mean that's yeah that is the part this movie has some deeply problematic also like like a dream of a world where we have like an actually fat woman be lusted after by a attractive Hugh Grant circa 2003 type and there's no story the story doesn't revolve around the fact that she's fat right like hot men like fat women it, it they exist hot men like skinny women skinny women like fat men or ugly like the idea that like pretty right, like people attraction is subjective and or that like you have to be a certain size to be deemed attractive is all bullshit right and also this woman is skinny it's like the amy schumer in a movie like i feel pretty being like "Mm." it's like of course she's pretty she's blonde she's relatively thin she's amy schumer she's pretty like show me right it just it feels like of that ilk of like we haven't like we're not pushing any boundaries by like questioning this woman's attractiveness natalie in love actually is like hollywood fat in the way that like jennifer lawrence used to be like i'm a fat actress and it was like no jennifer lawrence you're not you weigh a hundred pounds and that's fine but you're not it, you're considered fat in hollywood the problem is not with you right. it's with hollywood right or just like or like, society as a whole general right and it's not like they call they refer to her the portuguese woman's colin first little love interest sister as miss duncan donut 2003 which if that's a beauty pageant i'm joining yeah i mean that was another character like i don't think i've ever paid it really paid attention to because she's like really a tertiary character she has no point except to make jokes about her Her point is to follow colin firth to the restaurant where his love interest works and make and she and her father like trade jokes about how they're gonna sell her to colin firth and that she's fat and her father like keeps making fat jokes there's at least three different fat jokes about this woman yeah who's truly like barely barely like 
quote unquote overweight. I mean, and, and like, look like as an adult, like looking at her, I'm like, how are we making fat jokes about this woman? Like they put her in like an ugly soda and a bad braid. Yeah. Dumpy, but like, I, I, it's just, I mean, we shouldn't like fat jokes just shouldn't be a thing period. But like, uh, yeah, there's some serious like body image issues with this movie. I, yeah, it's rough. It's uh, rough to watch. It's tough to look at. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make you feel great about yourself. That's for damn sure. No, but th- but like I do think. Look, we are obviously have not reached a point in culture where we have so cured racism or homophobia or any of that shit. But I do think like maybe the one thing we haven't even started to breach is weight and body and like fat because even the things we talk about as like good intersectional non-racist pieces of art still like nobody yet addresses like fatness in a way that I think is appropriate there's like no you can't I was watching I apologize for, except I don't because Bravo TV is great but I was watching an old Vanderpump Rules reunion where they were talking about how somebody had fat shamed some of the girls and then like another one of the girls had referred to other girls as anorexic and that was equally as bad and I was like you're right that is it is equally as bad to call some people fat and refer to some women as anorexic when and and the one of the women was like I meant the anorexic thing as a compliment and then they just like accepted it and moved on and it was like if oh we're living in a world where like calling someone anorexic is a compliment rather than like offensive or like deeply damaging yeah, like I don't, I don't think that we interrogate mm, sort of like microaggressions related to weight in a particularly like constructive way. Yet, but this movie is like light years behind. Behind, yeah, in a lot of ways, but particularly in a way that I think we still might be very much behind. Like if I think if Love Actually was made today, I think it would be more diverse. I think there would be more um lgbt characters i don't know that the fat jokes would be gone yeah that's a really interesting point i think like the fat jokes would probably still maybe they'd be less but they'd still exist right and all of the women would be relatively thin and like natalie would like maybe be played by like amy schumer or mindy kaling like it would still be played by like a relatively thin person right with very like conventional european yeah aesthetic yes what did work for you in this movie other than the things that we've talked about? Um, the music holds up. Betty Draper holds up. Yeah, the soundtrack is great. Still great. I wrote down, remember Enya? Question mark, exclamation point. I think the last we heard of Enya was this movie, and I wish she'd come back. Enya was, like, everywhere circa 2003. Also, I love a movie that shows us who Kelly Clarkson was at her very beginning. Yep. Like, Kelly Clarkson holds up if there's something out there she's done problematic don't tell me i don't i like let me let me let me have this <laughs> i want kelly clarkson all, hashtag all your faves are problematic. I want kelly clarkson to be perfect yeah i think the i think the acting is good i think the music is good i think i think it is a good romantic comedy if you can watch it and accept the many many places it fails i think it tells nice stories of humans falling in love which is what you want in a rom-com yeah i just would like like more 
diversity in terms of like what do we mean by love we get a couple of like platonic relationships a couple family relationships we're still like super focused on like heteronormative romantic relationships could somebody remake love actually in a better way that'd be great (laughs) richard curtis watching it like tonight i enjoyed it it was entertaining but this was a movie that like when i how old was i in 2013 like 20, 20, 2003 2003 I was 16 16 this was a movie when I was 16 that I was like oh my god this movie's great I loved this movie top five rom-coms of all time it it just does that is not true at all anymore for no. me like I I honestly I think in a pretty profound way like could like take or leave this movie at this point yeah and I there are some other rom-coms that I assume we will talk about at some point assuming we continue to do this and that I think also have like problems and issues, but I will stand them like till the day I die. And this for me is just not one of them. Well, and I, this is sort of a general statement going forward. This is our first episode of this. We will continue doing it as long as, you know, until we run out of the means to do it. As long as our mom still listens. As long as our mom still listens, we will continue doing this. But like there's a, and I say this as someone who avidly watches and writes romantic comedies, uh, they are overwhelmingly heterosexual and white. And so as we talk about romantic comedies going forward, we are, one of our main issues with them is that they're going to be heterosexual and white. But th- you're right. This one has sort like, there's something sort of, I think probably because it's a, there are so many stories and they are all heterosexual and white. It's like, there were so many opportunities to do something different and you didn't, you kept telling a story of, of a man and a woman falling in love in a fairly conventional way. Yeah. And when we went away from it, it was a father and a son and the son is trying is the son is like going through puberty and discovering his feelings for this girl. And instead of being like, Hey, your mom just died. Let's talk about your feelings related to that. He was like, let me tell you, teach you how to get this girl. Like it just, they all like they all seem very similar and heteronormative in a way that you would hope a movie with the opportunity to tell six plus stories would not, and it does anyway. This movie is entertaining, but it it does not. I'm not sure it holds up it's, overall. It's like, like I'm not very. Sure that... It's like more problematic. Maybe we'll discover it's not more problematic than most rom coms as we continue to do this. But I think it might be. I think it might be worse. But it's not even like that. It's more problematic. I'm just not sure it's as good a movie as I remembered it being. Yeah, it's certainly not Richard Curtis's best. No. What do you think is Richard so, Curtis's best for weddings and funeral? Oh, that's a tough call. But which is interesting. So my husband, like for a really long time, like refused to watch Richard Curtis movies with me. And I finally got him to admit that it was because the only Richard Curtis movie he'd ever seen was Love Actually. And so now I've gotten him to watch two other Richard Curtis Which movies. Ones? About Time and Four Weddings. Four Weddings and a Funeral and About Time. And he is like shocked that that those are Richard Curtis movies because he really liked them. And he was like, I don't, why is Love Actually the movie that... Four Weddings and a Funeral is a great movie. Although I think my favorite Richard Curtis movie is Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. But he's, he's like, he didn't write that. No. I don't know who wrote that. Someone who should receive an Academy Award and will be snubbed. God, um, come Oscar time. I'm going to be... It is almost Oscar time and I'm already livid. It received no Golden Globe nominations. Not even for Meryl Streep. I'm sorry, like, uh, 
living Meryl can receive a, a Golden Globe nomination, like ghost Meryl should receive so many. Wow, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. I'm sorry, you know. Ghost Meryl should receive an Oscar. Cher should receive an award just for appearing on a set because she's Cher. Mamma Mia 2, here we go again, is one of uh, Richard Curtis's greatest. But yes, Four Weddings and a Funeral is actually his greatest. Yeah, that would probably be my favorite. Richard Curtis. Okay, so what was your, um, what's your favorite and least favorite storyline in Love Actually? My least favorite is the one who, about the guy who goes to America to have sex with, um, the woman who's going to be on, uh, Charlie Sheen's ex-wife who's going to be on Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Denise Richards. Denise Richards. He doesn't even have sex with her. He has sex with Shannon Doherty from American Pie fame. Um, that's my least favorite one because Shannon Elizabeth. Shannon Doherty is the woman from Charmed. They have always been the same to me. <laughs> so different. Okay. Shannon Elizabeth, who was on What Not to Wear, I believe. She was on an episode of What Not to Wear. I'm right. Anyway, <laughs> there's no way that's true. Look it up. Google it as I'm talking. She was on Shannon Elizabeth, What Not to Wear. She was on an episode. My favorite storyline is probably the Laura Linney one. It's the saddest. I like a rom-com where they don't end up together. Like, I like a rom-com where, like, she had to make choices. It feels like the most real um, and sort of the saddest in that, like, she couldn't have it all because she had dedicated herself to her brother. You're right. She was on an episode of We what have not confirmed Shannon Elizabeth was on an episode of What Not To Wear. What's your least favorite and favorite storyline? Um, I think my favorite storyline is Bill Nye. And sure. his manager. Because I do like the way that one ends. Like, I like that. Who in, calls Chubbs. In a, like, fatphobic <laughs> and homophobic way. Acknowledges that his manager is, like, the great love of his life. Bill and I should be in everything. I just think he's really enjoyable. My least favorite storyline? Probably the Kira Knightley, Andrew Lincoln storyline. Stop yeah. saying Andrew Lincoln like people know who that is. People do. Okay, fine. The... The Kira Knightley Rick Grimes storyline. I just like uh, that that Academy Award really nominee bothers me. Two okay, there are three people in that storyline. Two of them have been nominated for Academy Awards, and the story is based around the one that isn't. And I think that's a problem. <laughs> that's because you don't watch The Walking Dead. If you watch The Walking Dead, you would Still love him. Has not I, been nominated for an Oscar. I truly adore him, but that storyline just really bothers me. Like. There's just, there's a lot to unpack there that could be its own separate, like, thesis. He stalks her in a way that's, like, uncomfortable. And, like, affords her no agency to, like, make her own decisions. Like, well, also, like, when she discovers that he has been filming only her at her wedding, she was just like, well, they're all of me, and then, like, walks away. Like, she doesn't have any sort of, like, feeling. She has no, like, opinion about it. Right. It's weird. And is not creeped out about it, and... Like, was there maybe a better way for Rick Grimes to have handled that situation? Rick Grimes isn't any clearer than Andrew Lincoln. Yes. Okay. Stop. Um. So that's probably my least favorite. Okay. That's fair. And now it's time. Should we play the most important game? Yes. Fuck, Mary, kill. Hugh Grant as this character. Yeah, wait. Are we doing characters or actors? Characters. 
So who knows? Like Hugh, I've watched this movie eight thousand times. I could not tell you if my life depended on it what Hugh Grant's character's name was. The Prime Minister. Well, that's what I mean. Like, are we talking about Hugh Grant? Or are we talking about the Prime Minister? The of Prime Love Minister Land? of Love, actually. Okay. Uh, Liam Neeson post dead wife again in the movie, not Liam Neeson post Natasha Richardson. R.I.P. Too soon. Too soon. Uh, Con- again, none of these characters have names. <laughs> Colin Firth in Jamie. the south of France. Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. She holds up. That little girl holds up. <laughs> Prime Minister, south of France, Colin Firth. Um, uh, Liam Neeson with the good hair. KFM? Yeah. I think I would fuck Hugh Grant, okay. m- marry Liam Neeson, wow. and kill Colin Firth. That's not what I expected from you. I know. That was a tough choice, but I just, that's really, like, the headspace I'm in these days. What about you? I would marry Colin Firth, fuck Liam Neeson, and kill Hugh Grant. All right, so what about the women? <laughs> Laura Linney. Mm-hmm. Again, the character. Yes. Although, like, is my answer the same actor-wise? Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Kieran Eiley. I know my answer. I changed my answer. Tough call. I think I fuck Laura Lenny, Mary Emma Thompson, yes. kill Kira yes, Knightley. Hundred percent. I initially thought Sorry, I would Kira fuck Kira Knightley and kill Laura Lenny, and then I was like, no, Laura Lenny seemed game, and Kira Knightley again had no agency, so I don't. Feel, I feel like she'd be boring. yeah. Like I, I yeah. Again, if we're talking about the actors, like that might have been a harder decision, but like Kira Knightley's character is really inconsequential in this movie. Yes. She has no personality. I could not tell you literally anything about her. I like Kira Knightley. I think she's, and granted, she was young and this was before we knew who she was, but like in 2018, like, it was postponed like Beckham. Great movie. Kira Knightley, I like, I like her. I think she's a good actress. I think she's fun, but like, she's nothing in this movie. No. She serves to get, she's literally a plot device. Yeah, she's a plot device. She and the husband. She would tell Edgy of Like, the couple is a plot device. Yeah. In a way that just really bothers me. A way that did not bother me. Like, okay, so here's the interesting thing is, like, when I was 16, I would have, like, died on the hill of that storyline was great. It was so romantic. It was so sweet. Like, he didn't break bro code, which is, like, a real fight I got into with someone one night. He sort of did. He still told her. No, and I agree. And now, like, now I'm like, Ugh, I just there's he put, nothing. He put her in like a really uncomfortable position. Yes, there like, is nothing about that storyline. Jeff is her husband. Jeff's best friend came to was like, I'm in love with you, but not. Like it would make you feel so uncomfortable. It would make you so uncomfortable. And, and then, like my ass, you're not gonna be like Jeff. This guy said this to me. Right. Also, I feel like they were probably really patting themselves on the back for being like, look at this interracial couple we created. Except that the interracial couple has no point. Right. They're just like there for the They're zombie not to fully be like I'm developed characters. Yeah. Okay, well, final. Okay, so circling back, final conclusion. From your point of view, does this movie hold up? Uh, certainly not as a piece of intersectional feminist work. I think to watch once a year at Christmas, sure. I don't like I will uh again I uh am a rom com avid watcher and writer it would not make my top 10 rom-coms um but for once a year at christmas 
knock your socks off. Okay. Um, I agree. It does not hold up as like at all in terms of like intersectionality, but I'm not sure that for me this even holds up as like a good movie. I mean, like again, there were parts of this movie that like I really enjoyed. There are parts of this movie that in some ways are, like, truly iconic, like, British Prime Minister dancing to the Pointer Sisters, like, great scene, makes you feel really happy. A classic rom That's a, a classic a, rom-com scene. It's a classic rom-com scene. Kind of a balm in, like, a shitty world, you know? But I'm not even sure, like, when Going it comes... Going door It's the Hugh Grant story, the one that holds up the most... Right, Hugh Grant and his driver singing "Good King Wenceslas." Great, great scene. Good King who? Wenceslas. Wences. No, Wenceslas. Good King Wenceslas looked down. Wenceslas looked out. We're not having this fight. Okay, I'm right. But regardless, oh. regardless. But when it comes to the Christmas season every year, and I'm like, let's watch a Christmas movie tonight. This is not one I reach for. Okay, what would you reach for? You can only watch one Christmas movie from Thanksgiving Day to January 1st. What is it? White Christmas, which in of itself has a whole host of problems, but that... Every movie has problems. But that White Christmas is the movie I reach for each year. Like, when when we tick over from Thanksgiving to Christmas and it is time for Christmas movies, White Christmas is the first movie I reach for. And I reach for lots of other ones kind of throughout the Christmas season. Not this the is, sweetest Christmas starring Lacey Chabert from the Hallmark Channel, which I recently watched. I would maybe even reach for that before I'd reach for Love Actually. There are some like Lifetime and Hallmark movies that I rewatch before I'd rewatch Love Actually. Sorry, uh, Mom, we're not watching it again with you this year. We did it. We put it in. Uh, I'm like really. This was nominated for Golden Globes, I remember. Truly. This was like a recognized movie in its time. Yeah, I mean, again, like yeah, I get Mama it. Mia too. Here we go again. Received more. I'm sorry. All right. Well, that's my conclusion. On that note, everyone, please go watch Mama Mia too. <laughs> it features much the same cast. <laughs> or White Christmas. Or White Christmas. Bye. Bye.